Hey, this is Tim McGregor, and I'm the pastor of LOH Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. There are some places in our life that Jesus needs to touch. There are some awesome places in our life that Jesus has given to us since we were born that are beautiful and that we should allow to flourish. There's other parts in our souls, though, that needs a work done. You want to call it a leprosy? You want to call it a sinful nature? You want to call it something that is contrary to God, as Paul writes? that needs touched by Jesus to become healthy again. We're talking about heart and soul, and we as believers, we are supposed to be like Jesus. And I just think when I watch that, I'm just like, I'm so far from being like Jesus. I'm not even talking about the supernatural. I'm just talking about the ability to be interrupted and to allow this guy to come on the scene and to have a conversation with him and to be willing and to be completely present, to be completely present in the moment, to see this man struggling, to see this man running for his life and to be able to feel and to be able to empathize and to be able to touch and not turn away. To be able to touch and not flinch. For we are the church. We are the body. We are apprentices of Jesus. We're followers of Jesus. And we want to become more like him. Amen? Amen. I want to become more like Jesus. And I was really stirred at the end of last Sunday when we asked those of you who are running for your life to stand up. And I didn't turn around, and I'm kind of glad that I didn't turn around, but I just felt the room, the collective whole, respond in such a way that I was moved. And I'm not even saying emotionally, I was moved. You ever, you ever your heart goes out to somebody or something, and you're moved, but you're not moved like tears. You're not moved emotionally. You just sense something in your heart is happening. That's how I was. And I was moved and I was like, this, we need to have a conversation. We need to talk about this. And not in, not in judgment, but just, just out of empathy and compassion, my heart and spirit went out. And I must say, to begin this, I don't know what it's like to walk in your shoes. And you don't know what it's like to walk in mine. But one thing I can do and one thing you can do and one thing we can do is tell them what he's like. Tell them what Jesus is like. Who he is. What I know him to be. How consistent, how faithful he's been. And as long as you have breath in your lungs, he's not done. As long as your heart is beating today, he's not done with you. The story's not over. He's the author and perfecter. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He's the one that says when it's over. Let us persevere. Let us stand up. I want to talk to the runners today. But I think we all run, don't we? But how and why we run is different. Paul says, don't you know that the runners who run, they run as if to win the prize. Maybe you're here today and you say, Dustin, man, I ain't running to win no prize. I'm running to survive, man. But without me oversimplifying it or insulting your intelligence, I want to encourage you today that there might be another option. And you got to be honest with yourself, but what if you could go from running to survive to a different kind of running today? And I'm not saying that everything will be solved, that everything will go perfectly or smoothly after your response to the altar or you running to the mercy seat or whatever. It could. But I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm saying your 
perspective, the context by which you view what's going on in your life, the season that you're struggling with, the cross, for lack of a better word, that you're having to bear in this time. Maybe we could reframe it. But to run, ask any track star, we got to get light. Right? You, you watch the Olympics. Are the guys carrying backpacks? The guys literally shave their legs. I don't know how much time that would take off your 100 meter dash, but they do. They get light. Why? Because they don't want any hindrance. Right? They don't want anything holding us back. And if we're supposed to be people like Paul, who want to run as if to win the prize, we should get light. And Jesus said in Matthew, he said, come to me, all you who labor, all you who work, all you striving after this or that or perfection or your reputation, come to me and find your rest. For my yoke is what? Come on, my yoke is? And my burden is? My burden is what? Yeah. My burden is light. Because I know what I'm calling you to do and I know the desires of my heart for your life and the plans that I have for you. But if you allow the world, others, your rhythms of your life to clutter your mind and clutter your heart and bog you down, you're not gonna live light enough for me to use you in the capacity and the way that I want to use you. So this is countercultural because the world tells you to obtain and acquire, 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 and get, and get, and get. And the Lord, I think, wants to interrupt you today and say, what can you release and let go of? Our, Yes, he says, he's saying that to you. What can you release and what can you let go of? Because your mind's swirling. And I think there's a call to simplify. And whatever practical sense that is, I would encourage you to do that, to simplify. The message I have to share to you today is you have to let it go. Everyone say, let it go. Let it go. Like Elsa. <laughs> I was going to say, just let it go. But then, and have that as my come out scene and have you guys have like snowflakes and stuff. I don't like to tell people what to do. I don't like to tell you what you have to do. Paul writes that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. But if you really want to run your race, if you, if you really want to see God fulfill the plans and purposes he has for your life, I know this is against culture. There will be things that you have to rid yourself of. There will be things that all your friends are doing that you're not going to be able to do. And it's not that you're, you're better, but there's a, there's a standard. And there's some things in every season of life that you have, that you gain, that you obtain, you learn. And in maturity, out of that season, you let other, other things go. And that's hard to do. We were talking about it up in the green room. I asked everybody, is it hard to give your clothes up to the goodwill? <laughs> is it for hard for anybody else? Like, you're like looking through your closet and you touch that shirt and you're like, haven't worn you in five years, but I think I'll get the urge. So I'm going to keep it. And Devin's like, I got this sweater that I'll never give up. And I get, winners come and winners go. And I'm just going to, I'm going to keep it. I know I should get it. That's how we do with so many things. It's like, there's just something about it. But when you do, you ever left? the goodwill with like a huge bag that you left there and you're like that feels good it's the same way in the spirit it's the same way with your life there's things that God would say would you just give that to me would you just give that up 
That thing that you're carrying on your heart, that reputation, that, that thing that people are talking bad about you and critiquing you, and you're letting that control the way that you live, would you just give that to me? Well, I want to keep it. I want to fix it. I want to take care of it. Hey, if you just give that to me and let it go, there'll be relief in your life. And your mind's swirling in everything, but it could, could it be self, I'm not saying all of it, but could it be self-inflicted even at times? I know that when, uh, you probably heard my story about the NFL and stuff, when I was trying to play football and continue that dream and everything, I felt like it was a promise of God. There was a moment where I was verging on obsession. I don't know if you've ever been there. And I remember just totally overwhelmed. Couldn't receive from God. Had zero peace. Raise your hand if you've ever had zero peace in a season. Zero peace. And I remember, I'll tell you, you guys mind if I share it again? I remember sitting on my parents' floor, crying my eyes out, 22 years old. Crying my eyes out. I don't know. I don't know what. I feel like God's promised me this. I feel like God's given it hadn't even been in my heart. I'm, I'm just a young kid from Cumberland, Maryland, and I just want God to do immeasurably more. And I see this platform. I can put the puzzle pieces together, but I sit there with no peace. And my mom says to me, I don't know what God's calling is on your life, but one thing I know is God doesn't want you to be feeling this way. So whatever you gotta do, you gotta do it. And I said, I know I have to give it up. I know I have to let it go. Could there be something, I'm not even talking just of the surface sense, like it's, it's something on the surface, but could there be something deep down inside of you that you could be talking about the, the branches or the symptoms of it, but deeply rooted inside of you that you've yet to allow the Lord to come and you say, I, I've yet to allow you take this place from, take this thing in my heart away from me. But could it be just that moment of release that, that you've been longing for in your heart? I needed, I, what do you say? You have to let it go. You ha I had to. You tracking with me? It's all right to talk. I like to hear that. You say yes? There's just some things, man. And it's only by the power of the Spirit, but you... You have to let it go to grow. You say, of course, you're the growth track guy, I guess. <laughs> Is this a plug? No, but hey, it can be. We're going to do growth track in the fall. So, kind of worked out that way. Luke 2, Jesus grew. Is that too easy for you? Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect one, one we're supposed to model our lives after, come behind as apprentices, followers of him. Jesus had time of testing, time of growth, time of development. The Bible would like us to believe that the Son of God had seasons of growth and discipline. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and favor with with man. The seasons that we have, that we go through, that we struggle with mystery, with mystery, we lack the ability to understand. Could it be if we reframed it? Is that too simple? I don't know. Could it be that we reframe it? The understanding that this is all for the purpose of growth. That I, God would want to come closer to me. That my heart would want to be developed and come closer to Him. God wants you to grow. God wants you to mature. God wants our church to grow and mature. Paul said, when I grow, when I became a man, I put childish things aside. The things that were meant for that season, there came a time where I had to put them aside. 
And I'm talking in sort of a vague context because I realize that everyone here is in a different season of life, going through different things, but God is working one and the same purpose. It's for your growth and it's for you to become more like Him. But are you willing to give it up to ultimately move forward? We know as you're younger and you get older, you become a teenager and maybe you go to college and maybe you get married and maybe you end up having kids. Each season has with it its benefits and of course its pains and in them we learn, we gain, we keep and we let go as we move into the next space and this is called growth. Let's pray. I always say this as I'm praying, would you pray your heart? Would you pray with me? Would you not listen to me pray, but would you just uh, ask the Lord what you want him to say to you? Ask the Lord that you would be open and receptive for his word because we know that his word won't return void. It will do what it's set out to accomplish. God, we need you today. God, maybe we, we came in today and there's some that have been running for their life. There's some that are on great mountaintops. There's others that are in great valleys. And we know that your word is alive and active and sharp and it can divide. It can, it can speak to every person in every season. Lord, we need you to speak. We need you to do what you came to do today. May you get the glory. May we leave differently. Come on, you agree with that? May we leave differently. And give us the boldness to obey you. Give us the desire to listen to your voice and let go of the things we need to let go of. To you be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So I feel like I have grown a lot. How about you? When I got married, you know, marriage is different than dating. Do we, do we still know that it's different than dating? Right? You start arguing over what kind of mayonnaise you have and all that, like, <laughs> stupid stuff. Um, Chantel, we've grown a lot, haven't we? I remember, um, I would have you stand up, but I don't want to die. <laughs> She's looking hot today, every day. She's looking hot. Yeah, that's worth an applause, yes. I remember the first time when, though, we, you know, you get married. Um, well, I got sick on our honeymoon. That was terrible. I was throwing up. Got a couple shots in my butt. <laughs> Drank the water at Mexico, man. I don't want to go back. <laughs> it stinks because that's a nice vacation spot, but it's, <laughs> I just don't want to go back. Oh, anyways, whew. We got to know each other quick on that honeymoon, man. If you got sick on your honeymoon or something bad happened, I, I think you're just blessed. That's what, I, that's what I'm just going to carry with me. Uh, but I remember when we had Duke, and this is so stupid and probably not even worth sharing, but like the first time I had to put another human being to bed, you ever remember that? Where it's like, I just want to lay down, I'm tired, and I'm like, Oh yeah, there's another human in the house. <laughs> it's like, got to change their diaper, got to rock them to sleep. Yeah, it's something you have to do, but it's a joy and it's beautiful. But there's some things when you become parents that you don't give up, right? There's some parts of your marriage that you don't give up. And I remember this night this week, it was on Monday and we were getting the kids to bed early. You ever try to get the kids to bed early? It usually don't work out, but I rocked Jet to sleep. It was like 8 o'clock. I'm like, this is going good. Timing-wise, it's going good. Got Jet to sleep. Went in. Chantel's reading the kids a book to, to sleep. And I'm, and I'm walking in. I'm like, it's good timing. You ever calculate the time? From What are y'all laughing at? You ever calculate? And I went, into, I went into the room. It was Dakota's room because they like to sleep together. And I whispered in Chantel's ear. You guys want to know what I said? I said, I said, I said, I said, listen, listen I'm going to just be real with you. I said, you guys know, what kind of cereal do you want? <laughs> Did y'all hear me? I said, what kind of cereal do you want? 
And she whispered back in my ear, because we don't want the kids to know we're getting cereal. <laughs> and she said, a little bit of Reese's, please. <laughs> oh, tonight's going to be good. Tonight's going to be good. Tonight's going to be good. Watching a show and eating some cereal. I will never give up eating cereal at night, man. I will not. In honor of Caleb Collette, I think, that's what we do. We get a nice little bowl. It's probably not good for you at all, especially Reese's, it's all sugar. <laughs> There's some things in life that you're called to hold on to with everything in you. Reese's, I don't know if that's what... His promises to me... His faithfulness to me, my family, his goodness in every season, my right to live a healthy life, to wake up early and read the Bible. It's a joy, man, to, to work out, to take care of your body, mind, body, and spirit, to enjoy life. We have an opportunity to enjoy every day we've been given and I don't want to give up my ways to still live like a child in all the areas that I could possibly live like a child, right? But then there's other things that we're talking about today that you have to let go of, things that are sucking the life out of you. Things that are wreaking havoc on your family, on your mind, on your heart, on your soul, on your capacity to be sensitive and empathetic, to care for people, for your heart to go out to people. These things that we hold on to will run us dry and empty and it will hinder, I'll say it, it will hinder the work of the Spirit in your life and will hinder your relationships with other people. Jesus grew. Jesus grew. And I didn't realize till I got a little bit older that maybe my life is more about, the answer to being successful is more about what I can let go of than what I can obtain and acquire. It's not so much about acquiring so much as it is figuring out, God, how can I let go of things? You hear the question all the time, what can I do and still be a Christian? How much can I do? Can I drink? Can I smoke? Can I have sex with my girlfriend? That's the wrong question, man. It's the wrong question. How can I live holy unto the Lord? How can I live completely devoted unto Him? Not distracted, but to love people as He did. How can I be more like Jesus and less like the world? For the last I checked, the world and the church looks the same. Is there a standard? Is there a separation? Is there an appointment, a set-apartness? Is there a holiness unto the church? Or are we afraid of the Holy One, the Holy Spirit? And we keep them in a box and we keep them in the corner, often outside of our doors. We want him to move. We want to encounter him. We want life change. We want to be different than the world. We want to look like Jesus, and he was other. He was not arrogant. He was not pump, uh, pompous. He was not, not proud. Jesus was humble and washed people's feet, but Jesus had power in his life. Jesus was sensitive. Jesus was able to be interrupted. He was able to allow his schedule to be changed for people. He didn't entrust himself to people, but he knew what was in people. But he was willing to sit down with the woman who's had five husbands. And the one she's with now is not her husband. And he was willing to have a conversation with her at the well. And Jesus is willing to have a conversation with you. When, when I felt the people standing up running for your life, I didn't feel like we should pray for them or come to the altar, which all is great. And, and I, I'm going to have an opportunity for you to do that. What I felt like is I wanted you to have a conversation with somebody. I wanted you to be able to talk it out with somebody like Christ.
that could feel where you're, what you're going through and empathize with you and care for you and not have the answers, but to be there for you. Because you can't do it alone. And I can't do it alone. As much as I think we can, we cannot do it alone. You need the people, you need others. And this is where I'm going to start today. For all the people running, there is no place like home. There is no place like home and you got to have a home. Even if your home life was terrible, you, I feel like we still have this sense that we know what home was supposed to be. And I have this desire as a pastor, as a brother, to make LOH like a home for you. I, I didn't hear enough amens. To make LOH like a home, a resting place. Where, where all else around you feel outcast and you feel left out. But when you walk in the doors, you feel like you belong, not because you look good or got a crazy shirt on like me. You're welcome here. You belong here. This is the place, and God wants to speak to you. Oh my, come on, give him praise. Come, you can clap. And it's no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what you did last night, or this morning, God welcomes you with open arms. And Jesus comes to you like that man. And you ask him because you're concerned if he's willing. And he says, I am willing. I'm 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 willing. But there's another part of scripture where Jesus comes up to the man that's sick. And he says, do you want to get well or do you want to wallow in it or do you want to keep what I want to purge from your life do you want to hold on to that pleasure do you want to hold on to that reputation or that relationship or are you do you want to get well because Jesus today is willing Jesus today is willing Man, home is a good place to be. When we changed the name to Move Home for Youth, that's what it was all about. I used to tell kids every Sunday, you think everything that I prepared and said is total baloney and bullcrap or whatever, and you don't believe anything? I said, I said, keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Because in due time, in due time, in due time, there will be a word set up just for you. Oh, I believe it. Come on now, just for you. There's no place like home. And Sundays are so important. I remember when I was at college, we had practice on Sunday. That's really dumb. And sometimes I would miss church. And we can say, you know, the ecclesia is just the called out ones, right? It's not a building. I get that. I got saved in a church, man. I got filled with the Holy Spirit in a church. Good luck out there in the world without coming into a church body. I remember I would miss some Sundays though and then I wouldn't realize how dry I was. I'd be reading the Bible. I'd be doing my devotions. It wasn't until I came into the house of the Lord. Woo, I needed some food. Oh, I needed some drink. I was thirsty and I didn't even know it until I came into the house of the Lord. Until I came into the place where I belong, where God's reading my mail, and the Lord, the one who set me apart before I was in my mother's womb, starts calling me by name again, reminding me who I am, reminding me what's on my life, reminding me, come on, of what I have to steward. Where are those warriors at? They need reminded of that spirit that you're called to steward. I didn't know how dry I really was, how parched I really was, how hungry I really was, how desert land my life really was until I came into the house of the Lord and I opened up my heart and I lifted my eyes and I lifted my hands where my help came from. And home is a place of growth. 
The most significant growth of your life often happened at your house, at home. From age zero to 18 or 19, or if you're 30 still living at your parents' house, I'm sorry, but don't want to give you the news. Might need slapped in the face. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're welcome here if you're living at, there's other reasons, I'm just kidding. There's other reasons. It's a place of growth. I remember times when dad would have to discipline us. It's a place of growth. Does that not feel good? Does the Bible says that God disciplines those he loves? No, it's a new day, 2022. God doesn't discipline those he loves. No, it's not in scripture. It is, it is. I remember times, there was one time, like in sports, you end up thinking that you know everything. And you start not listening to dad a little bit. And dad's feeding me in the garage because he made a garage so we could shoot basketball in, which is kind of cool. And there's this time in 10th grade, I'm on varsity. I think I'm big stuff. Dad's feeding me and he's trying to critique my shot. More arc. And um, not listening. And then I don't, I don't want to act like dad's crazy or anything. But he said something to the extent that You'll never be anything if you're not teachable. And he walked inside. And I remember still shooting and, and uh, <laughs> crying, bad attitude, but that stuck with me. You'll never be anything if you're not teachable. If you can't submit to authority, if you can't learn, if you can't come under, if you can't be patient and wait for your time, if you gotta be on the stage, if you gotta be the one with the mic, if you got, what do, I'm, you will always be limited if you can't let that go. The way that God does that from the home is often through fire. If we don't respond, or even if we do, I'm not so sure that every human doesn't inevitably go through their own sort of fire. We call it what, the refining fire? You ever heard of the refining fire? We go through to learn, to mature, and if you're lucky enough, if you're blessed enough, God will call you to go through the fire. Isn't that, isn't that such a paradigm shift? With I want my life to be perfect and I want everything to go easy. If you're lucky enough, if you're blessed enough, God will have a cross for you and God will have a fire for you to go through so that you can understand what he wants you to get rid of. How he wants you to see in full view. How he wants you to be cleansed. To the apprentice of Jesus, the fire is like the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It doesn't harm you, it just harms what doesn't belong. Can we open up our Bibles to Daniel chapter 3? Do y'all have time today? Yes. If you don't have time, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lock the doors, Tim Skiles. No one's getting out. <laughs> it's not good. Fire code and different things. We can't do that, but we tried. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I have this in the King James Version. Y'all are gonna not like me for this? The King James Version, you like a little bit of King James? Not LeBron James, I said King James Version. Yeah, she was, you worldly people. Now, now you think of LeBron. That's just because I said that, you didn't think. All right, here we go. Daniel chapter three, you there? Say yeehaw. yeehaw, Western Maryland. Here we go. All right. 
Daniel chapter 3, verse 25. In the U version, we'll have the King James, but bear with me. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose. You know what? Oh, sorry. The context of this, right? They wouldn't bow to the idol that King Nebuchadnezzar placed before them. He said, when the trumpets sound, you must worship this idol. And these young men, three young men, didn't bow. And he said, if you don't bow, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And they would not bow. They would not budge. And God's raising up a generation of people, boys, girls, men, women alike, that will not bow, that will not budge regardless of what the world says, regardless of the threat. I see, and then, and then he puts him in seven times hotter, kills the guards that throw him in. He looks in. I see four men loose walking in the midst. Everyone say, in the midst. In the midst, in the midst of the fire. <laughs> and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. I asked, I asked the Duke, who was in the fire with them? There were four in the fire. Jesus was in the fire with them. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke. I could change that. And said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst. Everyone say, the midst. Yes. The midst of the fire. Verse 27, and the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors, well-known, well-established people, gathered together. They saw these men upon whose the bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed. I wonder how hot it really got, though. I wonder if it was up to the point. You know, you ever think about that? Like, like they didn't burn them, but I wonder how hot it really got that they were wondering if it was going to burn them. You know what I mean? Like how much did God let them experience before he, he rescued them from it? You see, I think a lot of times we're in the midst of the fire and we're thinking it's getting too hot, but the Lord's like, you're still here. You're still breathing. You still got life. You're still coming to church. You're still worshiping. You got a little bit more left. You don't realize how much I'm rescuing you from. And in the midst of it, what was happening? Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke again and said, Blessed be why? Because he sold them in the fire. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies yielded their bodies it's important catch that that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god yeah. psalms 97 the lord reigns let the earth be glad yeah. let the distant shores rejoice clouds and thick darkness surround him Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord. Before the Lord of all the earth, the heavens proclaim his righteousness and all peoples will see his glory. We want to see your glory, Lord. We want to see your glory, Lord. We want to see your glory, Lord. It, it looks like to me that how we saw his glory was by people that were not going to budge, by people that were not going to bow, that they were willing in the midst of the fire to walk with Jesus and to take another step. And the world would look on your life and see and say, the God of them, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he's got to be God. I've never seen anybody go through that. I've never seen anybody go through that and not turn aside not bow not budge oh we got to give glory to God because of what you went through because of what you went through so many times we ask God to rescue us from the fire 
But what if God wants to rescue you in the fire? And what if there's things in you that he, that through the fire, you come out, but they're left behind? The ropes that held Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was burnt. The things that hindered and held and bound and paralyzed, they were burned. But, but God's people weren't. God's sons, God's daughters, they came out on the other side. He is our Savior. He is our Savior. And I think you might just have to let it go. Let the process happen, the process of refining. It's a mystery, but we want to grow. When Jesus sent his disciples out in Matthew 10, if you're taking notes, I'm going to try to fly through this. But when he sent his disciples out, go ahead and turn to it, Matthew 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority, right? To drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Jesus called his 12 disciples. This is chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. How many times do you want me to read this? Gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Jesus called his disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Then he tells them how he wants them to go forth. I want you to just read this. I have it, I have it all here for you. It's so much. You can read it when you get home. But it, you have to realize that Jesus talks more about what he doesn't want them to take with them than what he does. He's, he's calling them to get light, as I said earlier. He's calling them not to be crowded in their minds, not to have all this baggage, all this luggage that we have to carry. He's sending them forth and he says, go to the lost sheep of Israel, pick up in verse seven. As you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. In verse eight, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, so what? Freely? Not about what you, what comes to you has got to go through you. You can't get more unless you give what you have. It's more blessed to give than to receive. I, 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 got, I got to give my 10%, it's his anyways, but I got to give it to him because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Got to give of myself in service. I, I, this, is, this is scripture. I got to get, get light. I don't, I don't want all this clutter in my life. I don't want more. We keep asking for more. And I think, it's, I think it's all right. I understand what we're saying. But God's like, there's so much. You're so full. I can't even, where am I going to fill? You're just so full, so cluttered. Okay, keep going. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff. This sounds a little bit hard for me to do, but I mean, this is, he's talking reality. This is literal for them, but we can, can you catch the layers of this? Any good literature has deep layers in the meaning. You have to understand that. We ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what he's trying to say, what's applicable no bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person to stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. And this is important now. If it is not, let your peace return to you. In other words, if it's not suitable for your life, don't let it steal from you. If it's not, let your peace return to you. Don't let it stay in that house. Don't try to convince them that you're a good person when they're just overly critical of you, when they judge how you do things or whatever. There's some people just, don't let them steal anymore. Just, just take it back. It, just, just return it to, to sender. Okay, I'll just, I'll just take it. See, often we, we go into a place that's not deserving, that's, 
that's tough for us. And then we, we just stay there. And we try to figure it out and we try to make it all work. And the reality is that Jesus said, if, if it's not working, leave. Verse 14, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off. Someone say, shake the dust off. Shake the dust off. Come on, shake the dust off. Shake, the dust off. shake it off, let it go. And you see the judgment in verse 15. So he's sending you out, tells them to be on their guard, tells them that the Holy Spirit will speak through them, that they shouldn't worry about what to say, that they'll be persecuted, that they'll ultimately go through the fire. But the student's not above the master. This is what the master says. So then he says in verse 26, do not be afraid of anyone. And then he says in verse 28, Verse 28 is where I want to get to. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. We're talking about heart and soul. Do not let that bother you. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Or not, and then he says this, which kind of sounds totally different, but I believe it's important where this is placed in Jesus' message here to them. So don't be afraid, but fear God, fear not obeying him, fear uh, having a reverence, uh, I want to have a reverence towards him, for the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and fear him who's in control of everything, and, and realize, now realize that he cares so deeply about your life, that everything you're going to go through it's not going to be outside of his care. The potter's hands can be uncomfortable, but you're in his hands. And you don't want to get off the wheel because you want to be in his hands at all costs. You want to be in his hands. You want him to mold you and transform you into the image of his son, who he wants you to be, not what the world, not what social media or TikTok or Facebook or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or even your parents, what he wants you to be. So you want to stay on that wheel and he wants to tell you that as you go through the fire, as you go through the pain, as you go through the mysteries of life, that even the sparrows he watches for, and even the numbers of your head are all numbered. He's not surprised by the things you're going through. He knows every detail of your life and cares about it. So don't be afraid in verse 31. You are worth more than many sparrows. You are worth more. Don't you know that you were bought with a price? How much were you worth? So we lay aside every weight and sin that so easily entangles. And you might feel like you're in this terrible season like Jonah. In Jonah chapter 2 verse 4, he says, I, have, I feel like I've been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again. Keep looking. Keep looking. Keep looking, turn, look, behold. In Psalms 116, attributed to King David, he writes this, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live, even in the fire. Listen to this. The cords of death entangled me. You ever been there? The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. But then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. And the Lord was gracious and righteous. And our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. 
so return to rest, oh my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. The Lord has been good to you, friend. The Lord has been good to you, sister. If you're here today, the Lord has been good to you. It's not by coincidence that you're here today. It's not by coincidence that your heart is getting lifted today. The Lord has been so gracious and, and so patient with you. Always faithful. So you should just give him praise now. You should just give him praise now. Because he's been good. And he's always good. I heard someone say, this is the only time that I'll be able to praise him in loss. Because in heaven, there's no more pain. There's no more crying. There's no, no more tears. There's no more suffering. This is the only moment we can give God praise and suffering. Let's not waste it. Let's give him the worship that he deserves. Let's give him the praise that he deserves. You can come on up, Dev and Brooke, and we'll finish. As we're finishing, I just uh, want to encourage you with a couple things that God has. So we talked about there's no place like home. That home is a an enormous place of growth and development. But another place of growth is the refining fire, which I'm sure a lot of you can attest to, that you've either been through, or you know someone going through it, or you're in the midst of it. And the third thing I want to kind of challenge you with is something, again, that's just, I feel like it's just not talked about that much. And it's very unfortunate because I, get, I feel like it gives us a lot of freedom in our life. And it's this thing called the altar. Where you actually lay your life down on the altar. You ever heard? Like there was this song that we used to sing when I was a kid and I loved it. It was called The Mercy Seat. And it said, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running to the mercy seat. Where Jesus is calling. And the mercy seat is representative of the presence, the Ark of the Covenant of God. And above it is the angels. And then in between the angels, in between the cherubim, was the Most High God. He dwelled in the midst of the cherubim. But you know, our God didn't stay there. He came to earth to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us in the dirt, in the pain, in the struggle with us. And He wants to be there with you today. He wants to come alongside and be. So I ask, where do you go? Because the altar is calling. And you can make one at your seat. You can make one at your house. This is something we've done for years and years now. It makes no difference where you go. But there's something different about when you do something physically, what is representative of the Spirit. When you leave what's behind, like what we do at the baptism on Friday night. When you go down and you come up differently, there's something special that happens. It's not just a simple, it's not just a symbol. There's something special that happens when you leave what's behind and you move forward and you come and you get prayed for. You come and have a conversation with someone. You don't have to, but you can open up your heart to them and say, I just need, I feel like I'm alone. I feel like I'm running for my life. And we can be there for you. We can encourage you and say, don't give up. Don't give up. Persevere. I'm with you. I love you. God has a plan for your life. It's important that we do that. And the altar is calling and it's drawing. And we respond and we say, refine us, Lord. Cleanse us. We want to be sensitive to you again. We want to be awake, sober, open, vulnerable, and tender. Can we stand? Could it be the reason that you're going through this is because God wants you to, to bring him, wants you to be, he wants to bring you closer to himself? <sighs> Man, 
man, God wants to have intimacy with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. I know that sounds absolutely ludicrous to your mind. If you're not fam familiar with that, that God Almighty wants to have a relationship and have intimacy with you, but he desperately does. And you saw a little glimpse of that, that on that video where Jesus is, is fully God. He's, he's in God, uh, God in the flesh. And that's the way God acts. And that's the way God is acting right now towards you and towards me. So don't run from it. Don't look to the right or to the left. This is about you and God right now. What's he saying to you? How are you supposed to respond? There was this thing that, and I used to drive with my dad, it's been a while, but he used to pray when we were leaving in the car. And I was intrigued by some of the things that he said. And as a kid, you know, you don't realize all that your kids are listening to, right? So you say those prayers, you say, God, keep us safe. And you know, all that as we drive in the car. But there was things dad always used to say that I'll never forget and were really thought provoking to me. And this is where I want to land the plane and just finish is, and I want to pray for you. Like literally at the altar, I want to pray for you because it doesn't, what, what it, it doesn't matter what other people think. It's just you and God. What God wants you to do is what you're supposed to do. And, right? And there's things that you have to let go of. Reputation. What is that anyways? What people think of you? Who cares? I mean, I don't, I don't want to get to the end of my life and be like, I cared too much about what people think. And then I didn't care enough about what God thought. And I'm going to give an account for what God thinks. There was a couple things that dad always used to pray. And my dad's a simple man, so he always used to pray these things, I feel like. And one thing he used to pray was always, give us discipline, Lord. Give us the desire to work. Give us the desire to please you. That's something I think we don't utilize enough. Give us the desire. Then this was one thing that he always used to say when he was finishing, he said, and cleanse us, Lord. And cleanse us, Lord. And I used to think as I got older, older the theological me, you know, well, God's forgiven my sins. He remembers them no more. Dad, what are you even meaning when you say cleanse us? It's because, yes, he's been forgiven, but yes, there's been things that we've allowed to come and hinder and to cloud our minds and to darken our view. And he's asking the Lord to cleanse him. And I always thought my dad was perfect. To cleanse him. And then as I was thinking about the Lord brought this to my mind. And then I felt the Holy Spirit whisper, look at the definition of cleanse. And then I saw the first one. And this is the first cleanse slide. It makes something thoroughly clean. Especially the... Right? That's kind of the common. Make something clean. But don't call anything unclean that I have made clean, God says. And he makes you clean today. But the other is the noun. And I thought this was crazy. It's a process or period of time during which a person attempts to rid the body of substances regarded as toxic or unhealthy. How? by consuming another substance. <laughs> Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Letting the water of the Holy Spirit, the river of God, come and flow and to rid yourself of things that don't belong. This is not a law message. This is grace and freedom offered to you. Do you want to hold on or do you want to let go and let God? How much are you willing to let go and let God so that you can walk in freedom, brother? Freedom, sister. And be changed. Be changed today. This is it. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I baptize you, this is John, with water for repentance. But after me comes one more powerful than I. Take this for what it's worth and what you think. Whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with or in, the asterisk says in, water. He will baptize you, I mean, with the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit and fire. I just, just throwing that out there. 
We over-spiritualize it. So if I want you to think about it, Holy Spirit and fire, his winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn, gathering what belongs into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenched... You can tell, say this is heaven and hell. You could say this is about your life and about he's keeping what belongs and he's letting what doesn't belong burn in the fire forever, never to return. So we ask, Lord, that as we respond, this is the most important time, not somebody speaking, not even singing a song. The most important time is us person to person coming close to you, listening to you, bowing ourselves, bowing our face unto you. God, what do you have to say for my life? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I don't need all the answers, but Jesus Jesus, Jesus, do your work in me. I give myself completely unto you. So have your way in us, Lord. We respond to you. Not in the manner by which Dustin wants or anybody else, but what you want. Have your way in me, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin, and thanks for listening. If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.